Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. So good to have you with us, everybody. It's June 1st, and it's Monday, of course, and we're excited to have you here. It is hard to believe how the calendar pages are turning this year. It seems to just keep going faster and faster each year. But we're glad you have taken the time to get into this topic. Today, I'm really excited. We're talking about wholesale lending, the whole wholesale broker world. It's coming back. It's a big comeback, major comeback story uh, of this industry here, one of the major ones since we've uh, watched the demise, what seemed like the demise of that uh, segment of the industry, that channel, but it's back, it's strong, and we have with us Greg Murray, the president of Wholesale One, very excited to his comments, we have him on hold, he, we've had a chance to talk to him just before the broadcast, some good stuff, you're going to join it, you're going to enjoy it, and stay tuned all the way to the end of the broadcast. So we also just, I'll remind everybody, this broadcast is created by who? Mortgage professionals. Who? For who? Mortgage professionals. So if you're tuning in, hopefully you're a mortgage professional and you are benefiting from this. We're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. Thank you so much to Tony Garitano and all of the group there. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, United Guarantee, who just happens to be the MI industry leader for the fourth consecutive year. Did you know that FHA, when they cut their rates, they I thought it might cut into United Guarantee's or mortgage insurance premiums and start getting close to be more competitive. But still, if you compare the two programs, United Guarantee's mortgage insurance premiums are still the most competitive out there. And there's some real added advantages with this program. So when you're looking at an FHA versus uh, the you know adding MI insurance, make sure you check it out. And they have their performance premium risk-based pricing, and you can get be sure you're getting the appropriate rate for each loan's individual risk profile. It's very important. And you can also take advantage of faster closings. Uh, you don't have to eliminate the need to deal with case numbers, FHA approval underwriters, all those things that Alice is so famously talking about all the time, the complicated world of FHA. Uh, it has also got the lender-paid mortgage insurance options, so it's a very good, along with the unparalleled service that you get from United Guarantee. Again, mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. Also, a special thank you to our friends at Velma, stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. We're thrilled to have them be a part of the broadcast, helping get the word out. Many of you get a notification from us about the broadcast just a little bit before the broadcast starts. They do an outstanding job of working with someone like me, who is not always the most organized, and they get it out nonetheless in a manner that works. So, Great group. Really appreciate them. Joe Farr, good to have you with us. Always looking at the market. I have your website up, Joe, all the time, looking at where the market's moving. And again, rates are moving higher this morning. See it happening right Right. here live and in real time on my screen. Tell us about it. What's going on? Well, we we had a very clear reaction to stronger than expected data this morning uh, at 10 o'clock when the ISM came out, it exceeded expectations. Construction spending also came out exceeding expectations. And we saw a drop from basically the same level we ended the day Friday to down 8.30 seconds. And, and since then, we have 
gone even a little bit lower. We're just now down uh, just about 10.30 seconds. So uh, the strong data uh, finally had some influence on mortgage rates. Um, yeah. The, the Earlier in the day, we did see core PCE come in uh, lower than expected. It's just now, I think it's 1.3% on an annual basis, which is very, very low. And you know that that should have been good for mortgage rates, but uh, you know the stronger data that came out later was uh, kind of overriding, and and so we're now down that nine ten thirty seconds on the day. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that has any impact on GDP as we look forward to what's happening. But personal income that was the one that I noted was really uh, a nice, it was a, a pleasant surprise. You know, zero growth last month, and then this month, four-tenths of one yeah, percent. Four-tenths. You know? Right, right. That's good. So a little bit better. So good job. So uh, tell us about last week. That was one of those things. Greece continues to stay in the mix. And give us your overview. Your yeah, it was the main driver last week. You know, the, the negotiations between Greece and, and the um, ECB and the IMF and all the people that its creditors uh, – uh, over an extension of additional credit is really causing some havoc in the market. Given that uh, the the they're at an impasse, it seems the the likelihood of Greece being able to make its uh, Friday payment is is small. As maybe they don't have the ability if if negotiations aren't uh, settled and Greece had not extended some more credit. So. Uh, you know the the concern is more what happens if Greece defaults throughout the rest of the eurozone, yeah. and so you know the yeah. uncertainties that go along with that are creating a, you know it's not a major but a small flight to safety. And as the headlines come out uh, saying the negotiations going well, we see a reversal of what had been a, a, a flight to safety, and and rates rise, and then when those negotiations uh, seem to not be doing so well. We see an improvement rate. So Greece really did have a big influence on on MBS prices last week. Um, and the economic data seemed to have, you know, not so much. Yeah, that's what I'm noticing is looking at the economic data. It's just it, it's nice to see us return to something predictable. At least this week, we're seeing a, a, a traditional reaction to economic news, which again overall is, looks good today. And then we're seeing, right. but it hasn't been like that. But as we look forward to this week, we have some non-farm payroll numbers. And well, let's your, start, uh, there was I some good you, economic we, 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 data last week, Dave. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, there was. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to highlight the housing data because you know it's uh, uh, we had we had. Recently, we've had basically four reports, and three of the four have been good reports. The existing home sales that came out the week before last were a disappointment. But the new home sales and the pending home sales, both of which are predicated on contract signs, so they're more current activity, uh, both of those were much better than expected. In fact, uh, uh, pending home sales were the best level in, in nine years. Uh, so you know, as we leave April... Uh, with all this activity brewing, it, it does bode well for uh, improvement in the housing sector in June and uh, well, the, the May numbers and, and for June as well. So that data was was yeah. really pretty good. So this week, do you have any sense? Uh, I, yeah, let's. I'll yep. talk about this week in just a second. But is there any sense 
that we saw the – I was asked this by Cavuto last week on in an interview on Fox. He said, Dave, is is this you know good times for the housing, or is it a result of interest rates getting close to the 4% so people are jumping on the current low rates, the perceived low rates? Historically, these are still low, low rates, even if they get up into the fours. He said, you know, is what's this a result of it? I'd love to get your thoughts. I go, I want to get Joe Farr's comments on that. Do you think that that pending home sales number, which was such a pleasant surprise, is a result of the perception that rates are moving higher and therefore we're seeing people the fence and doing something? And that may you know, not a, be a sustainable trend? Well, I, I think there are two different answers to that. I do think psychologically people are going to, if they fear rates rising, it could kick them into gear a little bit earlier. But uh, whether it's sustainable or not, I don't think that the difference between three and three quarters and four and a quarter, if that's where we get to, are is substantial enough to cause somebody that, that wants to buy a home to not buy a home. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's sustainable. And, yes, I do believe that uh, the psychology probably has uh, pushed people to go ahead and buy their house. Yeah, that's my thought. That's exactly what I said. So I'm glad I, I was I should, I should no, called you and double checked. So let's talk about this week. <laughs> payroll yeah, data week, uh, and Greece. Payroll data Friday comes out at 8:30. Uh, consensus calls for 225,000 net new jobs and unemployment staying at 5.4 percent. Um, you know, before that, ADP comes out on Wednesday, and we'll see if that uh, indicates anything different. Included in this morning's ISM data. Um, was a very good employment component. So, um, you know, the first indication that we may see a good number. Uh, and then, of yep. course, Greece is going to remain in there because, as I mentioned, Friday is the the payment due date for um, for Greece. On a, it's not a big amount. It's like three hundred million. I don't know if that's dollars or euros, but um, and whether they made it or not, or whether in between then and now, there's a meeting tonight between. Uh, Merkel and and a few others who uh, hopefully uh, will will consider how how to go forward with Greece and that debt and so a lot will go on between now and Friday I think no no question it'll be uh, one of those things I, I I wonder if by Friday we hear says yeah don't worry the checks in the mail I wonder if that's going to be the yeah. response from Greece so what remains to be seen well, I don't Joe, think thank I'd you so much their again. Check, would you. I don't don't think I would. Their uh, their, their ability is uh, to write checks is a little bit impaired right now. So it's going to be very interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. And again, when we have that kind of information, it seems to trump any economic data, whether we're positive or negative here. And so it's that flight to quality always to the bonds that keeps interest rates suppressed, not necessarily going lower, but at least it keeps them from rising as we have seen them seeing them do today well, we're going to check back to you with you at the end of the broadcast to get an update on rates but it's good to have you with us okay. and looking forward to having you involved in the discussion with greg murray later in the broadcast in fact thank you for introducing us to him greg to greg to us so that we could have him on the broadcast we credit you for this interview today so it'll be very good folks we're going to be right back after this break with paul mallow he just dialed in can't wait to get his thoughts on what's going on they track some great stories and we're going to have him on in just a minute so we'll be right back after this quick break looking for that competitive edge 
MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at mbsquoteline.com. mbsquoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin'. Good to have you with us, and it's also good to have Paul Mallow with us. Paul, good to have you on the broadcast. I'm looking at your website. Jumbo Originations are up sharply as you're reporting. Good to have you. How are you doing, friend? Uh, Well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, You know, maybe the Jumbo market's doing better than me, though. Um, It was interesting. Uh, Jumbo production, uh, roughly $70 billion during the first quarter. That's up 59% from the first quarter of 2014. However, I want to keep in mind that the first quarter of 2014 was awful for everything. So, you know, maybe we're misleading the world there. Uh, But, you know, listen, $70 billion in Jumbos, um, you know, that's not too shabby. Um, So... That's you know that's good news you know the question is and we had there's a new there's a there's at least one new jumbo deal that came out which uh, is in the short take section of uh, IMF news yeah. today. Uh, two Harbors is out with a new deal. Uh, you know so things are you know coming along. Well you know we'll see. Uh, we shall see. Uh, also another interesting development, uh, somewhat interesting. Uh, you know Redwood Trust is, has this. Um, joint venture jumbo thing going with the Federal Home Bank of Chicago, and they put out a release this morning saying the maximum loan you can finance through the program is now $1.5 million, not billion, Million. $1.5 million uh, (laughs) compared to $720,750. It's an interesting jump. It's double, obviously. Keep in mind, though, I think Redwood's maximum um, loan volume is $2.5 million. Uh, you know, and that program is, you know, coming along. Um, a lot of people who can't secure ties on their own will use it. Uh, the question is, you know, how big is it going to be? But, you know, it's a program, and it's in the jumbo sector, and that's good. Uh, you know, a story that we, we broke last Friday, we sent out an alert to our readers. Uh, you know, I've been tracking a Citadel servicing out in California, Dan yep. Pearl Shop, for quite some time. Uh, you know, they they've rolled out. A new second lien mortgage in the non-prime space. Now, what's so interesting about this is that no no one is making second lien subprime mortgages. Period. In fact, I would venture that uh, the last time we saw such a product was probably 2008. Um, so that's yeah. that's what's interesting about it. And I talked to Dan a little bit about it last week and you know but before you you know go crazy oh amazing uh you know the the combined uh ltv on this thing is 80 percent the rate is like you know between eight and nine percent uh there's some fico minimums you got to be an owner occupant you know there's a lot of restrictions but still there he's you know i got handed to him he's on the market with this new product and he said the uh, reaction the initial reaction has been uh, pretty fantastic so we'll see how that develops along the way also, a story by George Brooks about some clarifications coming out of FHA. They're working on some new things in their forms, you know, that will supposedly help lenders sleep a little better at night when it comes to their underwriting. If they do this, this, and this, they'll get some relief. So that's been talked about on and off for two weeks now. 
and there's more brewing on that front. Uh, Provident uh, made some news last week. Provident funding in California. They yeah, no kidding. Signed a nine million dollar legal settlement. Supposedly, they were overcharging uh, minorities through uh, yield spread premium deals through brokers. Uh, then they put out a statement. Even though they settled, they denied everything, doing any wrongdoing. Uh, and that basically, uh, you know, it sounded like they basically settled just to make this thing go away, but they denied all wrongdoing and said they, they had no knowledge of any of their brokers overcharging. Um, you know, and that seems to be a, another story or topic that you guys might want to discuss down the road about, you know, how many of these things are being settled because lenders have had yes. it. They just don't want to put up the legal um, defense, spend the money, and, you know, if they can sell these things without – With an uncertain you know, outcome. Yeah, yeah, with an uncertain outcome. Yeah, so it you know that's that's the story we're going to probably get into one of these days. In the short take se- uh, well, section, I mentioned two harbors, their new jumbo deal. Yeah. Uh, we also heard there's there's a big pool of jumbo loans out there. I'm not I'm sorry, subprime loans that was originated by a lender. I, I know who it is, and I'm still tracking the details. Uh, that they put these things on their repo lines or their warehouse lines. They were hoping to have some investors, and the investors may not have bought. Something's up, and uh, we're tracking that deal. Uh, so we'll let you more uh, know more about that. There's just official notification that merger between two federal owned banks, Des Moines and Seattle, is now a done deal. And uh, Lender Live bought a, a, another vendor called yeah. uh, Walls Group LLC. They're a provider of what they call a regulatory compliance solution. So uh, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see some M&A in the vendor space over the next year or two. So we threw that in there as well. No question. So that's yeah, good. all the essentials today. Well, we're going to be talking with Greg Murray in the Hot Topic segment. He's the president of Wholesale One. We're going to be getting in a little bit into talking about, you know, not that Greg will something we'll get involved with. He's a wholesaler, and, and Providence a wholesaler. I think that has some really interesting ramifications. You can say we're settling $9 million settlement and then claiming no wrongdoing. That has just got all kinds of issues written all over it for lenders that could not afford that kind of a settlement. So you know, tune into the broadcast later because we're going to be uh, – what does this mean? What is, the, what, well, what is this? Uh, yeah, I, think whole Provident can afford it. I think Provident can afford it, though. I think, you know, they they had yeah. some good years in there. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, you mentioned uh, jump, um, wholesale lending, and we got into that last week. We ran our, our numbers, and, you know, the broker share keeps going up. Wholesale volumes yep. are going up. Uh, you know, not not dramatically, but they're going north. And uh, you know, you hear more and more talk where brokers is, you know, brokers are coming back and their industry is looking better and et cetera, et cetera. So we'll continue to track that as well. Good stuff. Good to have you with us, Paul. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, look forward to having you back next week. Check it out, everybody. www three w's there. I don't know how many I got in there. www.imfnews.com. Paul Mallow. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of the week, friends. Thanks for having me, David. You too. Bye-bye. You betcha. All right, let's run over to Alice Alvey. Alice, always fun to have you here getting updates on your world. That is just no small task. So give us an update, Alice. Hi, Dave. Well, you know, um, I'll give you a quick legislative update, and then as I've been trying to do is help folks a little bit with where we're at with TRID in general. So Mm -hmm. I think just from a legislative, right, that's always fun. So (laughs) it's become the new (laughs) four-letter word. So (laughs) from a legislative front, there's an interesting bill out there. It's House Bill 1941 and then Senate Bill. There's a companion bill, 774, which doesn't happen all the time. So it's the Financial Institutions Examination Fair and Reform Act. So 
clearly a way that the industry is trying to be able to make some standardization in the events of being audited. So trying to amend the Federal Financials Examination Council, so the FFIEC, to require a fa the financial institutions to make a final examination report within 60 days after the, after the exit interview, right? Some of these reports can really drag out. And they spend so much time afterwards, and I say they, it could be any regulatory agency, sometimes taking so long to issue the report that in the meantime, the lender's feeling like, hey, I'm under a microscope, my actions are being monitored, I'm being restricted, and I don't even have my final report yet to say, what is it that I actually have to fix? What is it that you've cited? And, and I've experienced that firsthand where in an exit interview they'll say, oh, yeah, here's your short list, and then you get the report, and it's, oh, by the way, did we mention all these other things to you? So the bill is in its very early stages. It has some very what I would consider to be more pro-lender approaches uh, to making sure that the mm -hmm. agencies are working within some boundaries. So and it, uh, I'm not so sure it's going to get a lot of legs, but, you know, we'll def I've definitely got it on the radar. We talked a little bit last week, and I think Dave Stevens, who was on the show a couple weeks, a week before that, talked about the Financial Regulatory Improvement Act of 2015. Right. Very comprehensive, trying to pull through a lot of pieces for us. Hasn't been any movement on that in the last week, and uh, we'll keep watching for you. So listen to the prior programs to get the details on that. And then I think for the TRID update, what I want to share with folks is the movement in the industry to try and figure out how to issue the closing disclosure early, right? If you think about today, we normally would start the HUD-1 review process once we get a clear to close. And everybody's trying to look at how early can I give out the closing disclosure? Is my system's able to run like a dual process, right? My, my processor has got, I've got a good approval. I'm not subject to a lot of things that could potentially change my forms. I mean, that's, you know, as good as it can get in mortgage banking might be 80%, right? <laughs> I'm right. have 100% at that stage. And the idea that simultaneously I can start, that the closing disclosure is going to get prepared with all the borrower and lender and collect the information from the settlement agent on taxes and so forth, especially on your purchases, and try and get that, that moving simultaneously down a track and actually deliver it to the borrower, even at some shops are considering ahead of a clear to close. And so this varies by shop. Some companies feel, no, you have to have a clear to close before you issue that disclosure because um, you've got to have a firm commitment that this loan will close. A lot of companies feel I have that firm commitment earlier than that. The, the C to C is really just about cleanup conditions because I don't let my processors approve anything. Um, so how that's structured and whether or not it's okay ahead of a clear to close or not really varies by company. Uh, we're helping companies kind of iron out those procedures and then, of course, get them approved by compliance and legal to make sure they're okay with it. But um, if you want to be able to shave time off of your closing, that's the number one solution that people are looking at, aside from going out to all your realtors and saying you need 15 more days on a contract, right? Um, so right. I wanted to give everybody a heads up on that. The idea of how early can I get that CD out is one of the big topics of discussion right now. And if you need some help and ideas, we're happy to help. So that's my quick notes for today, Dave, because I know we've got a big show, lots more to cover to talk about wholesale. Yes. And we're looking forward to it. And you are a wonderful resource to talk to and work through it. So if you're looking for some advice, just some thoughts 
on any of this, give Alice a call. Learn more. Stay tuned to this ad. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Oh, yes. Love that. Good job on that new ad, Alice. Appreciate it. Uh, let's get into the discussion here. Sam Garcia. It's good. Always good to have Sam. You can check out his website by going to www.mortgagedaily.com. Sam, good to have you on the broadcast. Give us some insights of what you're seeing in and what stories you're tracking. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Always enjoy it. Um, this morning, the U.S. Yeah, Supreme yeah. Court uh issued a decision in a case with Bank of America where the bankruptcy court had stripped the junior liens that Bank of America held because the first mortgages on those properties were already uh, underwater. But the uh, Supreme Court decided to back basically Bank of America and said that they will hold up those liens and you can't void them just because, um, you know, the... Lean is underwater. So it's a good decision. Uh, this is something that uh, Bank of America had taken to the Supreme Court back in November. Um, GSE refinance activity took a, a moved higher. There were more than 203,000 GSE loans refinanced in March, and that turned out to be the biggest month since September 2014. Um, agency issuance for April, uh, fixed rate MBS issuance by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae, was down 6% from April uh, in, uh, in May, and uh, it was, uh, that was reported by EMBS. And at Fannie Mae, issuance actually tumbled 12%. But for all three companies on a year-over-year basis, we saw that uh, there was a 70% increase. So this is still better than it was a year ago. Um, there was a town that we reported on last week. We put out a story where uh, – they are in New York, it's Glen Falls, and basically officials in the town have decided to use eminent domain to force lenders to settle on zombie properties. They're trying to eliminate, they say, uh, properties that aren't being maintained well, and so they're going to use this eminent domain, which of course has been a hot topic over the last year, um, and to try to get lenders to be in a position where they have to do something or settle uh, to get these things out of there. It's a small town. Um, but it's just interesting that that uh, continues to linger as an issue. Congress last week, 254 members of the House, uh, Republicans and Democrats, sent a letter to the CFPB asking for a regulatory grace period for integrated disclosure rule. Um, the lawmakers said they wanted to avoid disrupting the peak home buying season in, in August when it goes into effect, and they want to basically put it off at least until uh, January 2016. Aquin. Uh, last week said it was going to close a servicing center in Houston, and as a result, we're looking at about 140 layoffs of servicing employees. Um, Loan Depot, they reported their first quarter production to us, 
they said they did more than six billion in first quarter originations, and that puts Loan Depot on track to double its 2014 volume if they can keep that pace for the rest of the year. The mortgage yeah, their acquisition says, of mortgage. Yeah, their acquisition okay. of Mortgage Masters has really helped them in that. There, there, there can be something to come, a company to watch for sure. But anyway, you're about to say Mortgage Bankers. Yeah, yeah, the Mortgage Bankers uh, released their uh, their latest uh, forecast for mortgage originations, and they basically lifted their their first half of this year's uh, expected refinances to $345 billion from $306 billion that was predicted, predicted a month earlier. So a little bit more optimistic outlook for refinances. And that is my, uh, my news for this point. Good stuff. Good stuff. Always appreciate you being on and giving us and our listeners an update of what's happening. You have a great day, Sam. Go check out Sam's website. It is a good amount of information on there, and his data, his research is just outstanding. www.mortgagedaily.com. Sam, good to have you with us. Have a great Thanks, rest sir. of the day and week. You bet. You too. Andy yeah. Alvey. Excuse me, Andy Shell. I was just thinking of Andy Alvey. <laughs> I was thinking about an ad. Andy, sorry about that. Profit Doctor, also known as, which one are you most known by, Andy Shell or the Profit Doctor? Well, both. It depends on if it's licking on lending. If it's licking on lending, it's the profit doctor. If it's, it's the profit in doctor, our business, yeah. then it's right. Andy Shell, CPA, CMB, CFF. Yeah. Hey, CFF. Dave. And on and on. Yeah, good to have you here. What's you, what are you tracking for us today? Well, what's today? What is the date today, Dave? It's June the 1st. Isn't that right? First. I think June. that's on my That's what my calendar says. And you know what that means? It means that we close the month. Yesterday was yeah. the end of the month, you know, on uh, on last Friday, Friday close of business. So you know what you should yeah. have on your desk very shortly is your your financial statement. Financial. You should be getting your financial statements. It's time to it's time to close the books and count the sprinkles. You know, if you if we were making cupcakes, <laughs> we'd know. And I love cupcakes. There's a place called Sprinkles in Dallas that makes the best cupcakes, German chocolate cupcakes. If we made cupcakes, we'd know how much a sprinkle costs because that's part of your manufacturing cost, right? If you're making cupcakes, you know how much the wrapper costs, the dough costs, the eggs costs, everything costs. So do we in mortgage banking know how much our sprinkles cost? Well, we have to. It's really not an option. And I would have to say that, unfortunately, a lot of people don't. They know how much their gain on sale is that they get from their short-term mandatory commitment, but did they really make that much all in, given the payoff cost and lender credit collection re- recapture? So, you know, do we really validate our expected gain on sale back to cash? And people will go, well, but you can't because it's fungible because loans go in and out of the hedge, and so you really can't track payoffs to loans. And that's true, but over a over a rolling 60 or 90 day period, you can. You can track things back to actual cash based on volumes sold, and that's what we're working to help people do is being able to count the sprinkles even yeah. when it's something as complicated as flow deliveries, AOTs, short-term mandatory deliveries, and pair-offs of, of a short TM, TBA MBSs. Yeah, so no question. It, you should be happy. That's good. Well, it's a good reminder, everybody. I, I like that one ad we ran a while back. It says, it's the 10th. Do you know where your your financials are? It's like, it's 10 o'clock. Do you <laughs> right. know where your kids are? It's really a great ad, and it was, it was really driving home the point. And if you're struggling, folks, to get your your data, your financials processed and 
in your hand, get a hold of Andy Shell. You can reach Andy at Andy or A Shell at mbs-team.com, or I think you can go by Andy at mbs-team.com. Yeah, I, I use the Andy at mbs because people always misspell Shell. Yeah, that's right. So, and so, just like right? Lickin, nobody can spell Lickin. How many K's are in Lickin? I know. So it's yeah, David yeah. MBS, Andy at mbs-team.com. Yeah, that's good. That's good, good, good. Well, appreciate you being on, sharing it with you. Folks, we got Greg Murray, who's going to be our guest right after the ad break, and I'm really excited to get into the discussion about wholesale lending the whole wholesale channel. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512-977-9900. It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Good to have you with us, everybody. We have Greg Murray, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Wholesale One, a mortgage brokerage cooperative managed by a division of AltaSource Portfolio Solutions. And I want to look at so many exciting questions to ask Greg in just in his business relationship there, how that's all going. But it's a new relation. It's a new business that's out there and really doing well. And I encourage you to get to know Greg and this business. He is responsible for the strategic direction of the cooperative, focusing primarily on developing a platform that ensures a competitive advantage for all its members and service providers. I've really enjoyed my conversations before the dialogue, and I can tell he based in his experience level based on his three decades of mortgage industry experience, ranging from systems to sales and including managing retail, wholesale correspondent, and affinity business. So welcome to the broadcast with me, Greg. Good to have you with us, my friend. Uh, David, thanks for uh, yeah. thanks for having me on, and a uh, pleasure to be here. Well, I want the audience, for those of you that don't know you, let's get you introduced a little bit. You have a diverse background. Sounds like a little bit of mine. I've done all the same things. I could duplicate that and cut and paste it into mine. We've done sales. We've done you know retail. We've done wholesale, correspondent, affinity business relationship. Get, just in a, a few moments, give our listeners a little bit of a, a back, of your background. Where, where you been and how did you get to where you're at? Sure. Well, I, I have to tell you, when, I, hearing you say three decades of experience really <laughs> kind of threw me off uh, quite a bit. But it, yeah, as you can see from the how, yeah, how time flies uh, when you're having fun, though. Yeah, I'm at four decades, <laughs> so I got I relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, I was uh, so I was very fortunate. I started in the business to actually with a company called Prudential Home Mortgage, going all the way back to that. But, oh yeah. Um, but I, and I bring it up largely because I, it was a it was a great place to start because it kind of came into the business uh, on, without being beholden to any particular way of doing business. It was a great group of folks that kind of wanted to find uh, a new way to uh, originate loans, a new way to kind of serve their clients. Right. And, and frankly, that kind of 
that background has served me really well throughout the the rest of my career. I've been fortunate to be with some uh, some great firms, large firms, and and kind of mid-sized uh, firms. Uh, it was also interesting. I started in the systems world, which actually kind of, you know, if you if you understand the systems that drive it all, it kind of puts you in a great spot to uh, to be able to yep. really execute. Yeah, given the complexities of our industry now, systems background is probably a pretty good background to have. Yeah, but tell us how it, you it, ended it, up at uh, Wholesale One. And give, give, uh, give us some insights into how you landed at Wholesale One. And for sure. those that are not familiar with the company, this is your opportunity to just kind of tell people about you. Yeah, you bet. So um, I, I did run uh, I ran uh, Wholesale at, uh, at City Mortgage for several years back uh, in the first part of uh, uh, the last decade. Um, and um, by virtue of that, I, was, I had a chance to work with a guy named Jeff McGinnis. Jeff is the CEO of Lenders One. Yeah. Uh, Lenders One is our sister cooperative. Um, started actually about 14 years ago as a, as a platform for supporting mortgage bankers in a way to kind of use the power of the collective and in, in essence to kind of strengthen independent mortgage companies, uh, in, both for the, you know, in terms of negotiations with service providers as well as into the secondary market. Uh, I was fortunate about two years ago as uh, AltaSource was looking at an opportunity to kind of take that cooperative model, that idea of uh, constructive collaboration, if you will, uh, in order to strengthen independent companies. And we're to kind of take that out and put it down in another place within mortgage banking. Uh, Jeff uh, reached out to me and said, you know, clearly wholesale is a, a place that uh, – you know, perhaps we can all probably agree it has fought the idea of scale and efficiency with a vengeance over the course of many years, and and maybe this is a place where we could we could create a platform through Wholesale One that would allow independent, uh, autonomous uh, mortgage broker companies and small banking companies to leverage their kind of collective strength and create yeah. uh, an environment where brokers, Good. service providers, liquidity providers, all working in concert ultimately to deliver a better experience for a borrower. And that's kind of a key in everything that we talk about. Is this, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this has got to be a better borrower experience. Yep. And we had David Savage on of Mortgage Coach last week. And he said, we are financing a borrower experience, not a loan experience. And I think that's a really important distinction you, you bring out there. Uh, how does Wholesale so One relate to Lenders One? Actually, someone sent me a question on that just a moment ago. Is this sure. a sister company or a subsidiary of, of Lenders One? Um, sister company would be the the better characterization. We're kind of uh, we have we are managed by the same parent, uh, a division of of AltaSource. Okay. Um, but the co-ops operate independently. Um, Obviously, lenders one supporting the mortgage banker cooperative, uh, or the mortgage banker companies. Uh, wholesale one yeah. supporting the mortgage brokerage. Good, good, good. See how that fits. Well, let's get into the whole wholesale channel. Certainly, it's been one of the most amazing comeback stories of all time. But looking over the next year, what are some of the headwinds that you're seeing and tailwinds? facing the mortgage broker? And I imagine CFPB is at the top of the list, or, or is it from your perspective? Yeah, you know, David, it's, it's interesting. I think to a certain degree, the headwinds, uh, those, <laughs> the headwinds and, and tailwinds are perhaps the same in certain ways. The, if we think about and, and we, yeah. two things, the complexity of the marketplace and the CFPB, the regulatory environment obviously plays into that. 
but also the shift ever so slowly, it would seem, to more of a purchase-focused market. We talked, you know, heard your uh, guest talking a little bit about that earlier in the call. Both those things, one, they can certainly create a, a tighter market that can be harder for the origination firms. It can create a more complex execution that can be uh, difficult for an origination firm. But on the other hand, two of the strengths of the broker, uh, the independent mortgage brokers, their ability to react to change, and secondly, their their ability to, to focus on purchase money. Um, you know, I, through, throughout, even today, when we have seen the share of the broker market being de minimis relative to where it used to be, their share of the purchase market is probably double what it what it is in the in the greater yeah. market. Their yes. their ability to kind of serve their communities, right? They they live in the communities. They they reflect their own communities. Their ability to work their uh, referral sources and their diligence around working those referral sources throughout the uh, the course of this kind of the from the troubles to the present, I think sets the broker company up better for the the upcoming market. And while life was life certainly is more complex than it uh, than it has been, and the, the regulatory environment a big driver <laughs> in that. Brokers react to that. Brokers are um, brokers are more apt to be able to accept the change that has been placed on them and stay focused on serving their community. Greg, I, I want to credit Joe Farr to having you be a guest on the broadcast. He knows you and knows of you, and so I'm going to toss the mic over to him. But I want to say, Joe, thanks so much for you know introducing us to Greg. I'm really enjoying sure. getting to know him. Joe? Uh, Greg, I wanted to, to go back a ways to say there have been many times and many things that have caused people in the market to predict the demise of the broker. And it hadn't happened. Things like uh, uh, loan officer comp was a big deal, and then disclosure differences were a big deal. So every time those things come up and uh, the prediction is it's going to really hurt the brokers, it doesn't. So it, 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 what do you attribute that to? The uh, what do you? And maybe you just answered that. Is it their ability to react? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think to a certain degree, what we were just talking about, Joe, is is related to that. I, I think. I think we probably just, um, to a certain degree, I think we underplayed how important the broker is to the purchase component of the marketplace. Um, even after the great troubles, uh, there was still some element in the market that was purchase focused. I think the, the, the brokers were able to kind of live in that space in order to, uh, while the world was settling down. Um, I, I think ultimately, uh, you know, there, wholesale can be a very cost, if it's done correctly, can be a very cost-effective way of doing business. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think folks perhaps came around to that, you know, took some time, frankly, but have come around to the idea that hey, this is a way that I can extend my origination reach without having to put brick in my own brick and mortar into each of these communities. This is a way that I can better connect the communities I'm trying to serve by leveraging the talents of independent autonomous broker owners who are doing business the right way. Um, and, and certainly you can make the case that if you are a broker today, that is not an accident. You made a very conscious decision that this is the way you want to operate, that you believe that you can serve your community and serve your borrower more effectively operating as an independent, uh, operating as an autonomous business. You had, you had plenty of opportunity to become a branch of somebody else. You had plenty of opportunity yeah. to go, you know, <laughs> go sell shoes, 
but you just decide, no, this is the this is the profession I've chosen. This is the way I can best serve my customer. And and I I don't know that we appreciated um, just how strongly uh, some broker owners, the ones who are here today, felt about that. Right, well, that's Andy? so true. Well, hey. Greg, thanks for being on the broadcast. Great to talk to you. I, I, I like the way you phrased that broker owner because it, it, I love dealing with sole proprietors who do stuff for me personally. It's just much more better. I think it's much better when the um, you're dealing with the owner. And so I like the concept of broker owner as an originator. So you, you, you made the phrase. The phrase you said was something like broker owners who are operating the right way. So that's a great phrase. I love the way you coined that. So, how, so what does that mean? What are some of the keys in your mind for brokers to succeed in today's market? Well, certainly, um, I, I think maybe two things that come to mind right away. Um, one is they, that they they are selecting the right lending partners, the right service providers, um, but the right lending partners to be in business with. That. Um, <laughs> Now, if someone asked me a question in an interview a little while ago, and it, it had basically it had it's they they asked me what would a broker what does the broker need to do to avoid causing the issues that occurred in 2008, and I I was thrown by the question because I when and what I finally said to the person is I, I don't accept the premise of your question to to try and lay all of the challenges of the mortgage market at the feet of the broker yeah. is, is an absurd comment. Um, what, it, what we all can do today, and, and I think this is where, you know, what can a broker be careful about when they're selecting their lending partner today is if it's sound, you know, select somebody that they believe is going to be in the business for a long time. They've, I, as a broker owner, I've made a decision to be in the business for a long time, then they need to think, who's going who's to be there with me for a long time? And the, uh, the other thing that, I, that we talk to our members about is the idea of looking for ways to expand the audience for their services. Um, part of that clearly is within the residential marketplace. Who, what process can I use? What lender can I use to serve more borrowers? But taking it a step further and say, how do I expand the market that I'm currently serving? Um, how do I look at getting into small commercial business if that fits what I'm trying to do, I mean, they, they need to have a, uh, a thoughtful plan about am I, am I doing business with the right folks in order to serve my marketplace? And is it wise for me to expand the marketplace um, that I currently serve? And what we talk about within Wholesale One is building out what we call a member revenue model. Uh, in essence, you know, we try and make the argument that if you can be a part of Wholesale One, we're going to put you in a position where you can drive greater revenue than you would outside of uh, Wholesale One. And a key element of that is, can we, can we help you attract better talent? Can we put that talent in front of new borrowers that you wouldn't otherwise experience? Can we put that talent into a marketplace that you wouldn't otherwise have a chance to, uh, have a chance to serve, like commercial, for example? I think, I think that's a key, whether it's through Wholesale One or not, I think – uh, I think that's something that broker owners need to be thinking about. Am I doing business with the right folks? Am I expanding my business as best that I can? So it's not just doing it on, I mean, not to make this into a commercial, but it's not just doing it on your own and trying to figure it out by yourself, be part of a co-op or a group or 
be have have common similar people doing the same thing that you collaborate with to determine what best practices is for your industry. So in in effect, joining lenders wholesale. What's it called? Wholesale one. Yeah, great wholesale one. Yeah, Thanks. I mean, look. I, uh, w- I, I, interestingly, I mean, it is one of the things. Apart from kind of more tangible benefits that we try and bring to the members around, uh, you know, discounted services or better than market uh, um, execution on certain services and, you know, connectivity to certain uh, lending partners. Candidly, separate and apart from that, we just had, we had about uh, nine broker owners in uh, almost a month ago for our first kind of member council. And I'll tell you the, the most striking thing that uh, for me was, um, was the the interaction between those broker owners from you know they came from various marketplaces they were uh, different uh, different sizes the idea that they um, <laughs> that they felt a certain connection that they weren't feeling so alone which is all too often been the plight of the broker uh, owner um, there was there was a real power in that but frankly more than I had exactly realized prior to the meeting. Wow, that's neat. That's neat to hear, and it's understandable. That's great. So, so Alice, Greg, let's hi, continue this on this Alice. discussion. Yeah, oh, hi. Well, I just have a quick question. You know, as you look at the things that work in favor for the brokers or against them in different market forces, so the purchase market should be helping them out. Do you think that? Do you think that's a good thing for the brokers right now? Yeah, I really do. Um, I, I I really do. I've I've had the, the good fortune of working for some great firms, both large and on um, small. And what, one of the things that I certainly saw at some of the larger firms, um, uh, well, actually, I'll say it this way. I think um, if you look at some of the larger depositories, um, many of them are thinking about the mortgage business, in my mind, as more of a mechanism for serving that part of their customer base that they are interested in uh, uh, in deepening the relationships with. Um, that is that may have a purchase component to it, um, provided that purse that <laughs> that borrower or uh, that depositor is going to be looking to buy a home. But but the focus on that kind of really takes away from the ability to get outside the walls of a branch, as an example, and go connect with the community and. Um, and deepen the relationship with referral partners. Uh, the, the broker has never abdicated that position of uh, uh, connection with their community and connection with the referral partners. So I, I do very much see, um, I see that, that broker owner having a real great leverage point uh, in, within the purchase market. You know, one of the things I used to say to my, my folks uh, quite a bit is, we happen to be in the mortgage industry, but we're in the comfort business. And that's what we what we really <laughs> sell people is the comfort at a time when they are incredibly stressed and really Good. confused. And and that confusion and that stress is only going to increase given the uh, you know the ongoing complexity of our our industry right now. In my mind. Um, that, that's what that's where brokers thrive, right? Their their ability to, to be able to sit across the table from somebody, uh, either literally or metaphorically, and just say, regardless of what you're trying to do, I am going to be able to help you with that because that's what that's my role. My role is to find the best yeah. place to fund your deal and to make sure you don't lose any sleep. 
That you know, you you look at the broker their their contribution. A lot of people say, well, it's no different. There, anyone could do that. But I think they have a track record of doing it very very well, sitting across the table and providing that comfort. Let, let's talk a little bit about the whole wholesale market and relationship to the entire industry. How do you see the revitalization of the wholesale market benefit the industry overall? Do you see it as a benefit? I, I do, sir. I, and I'll tell you, one of the um, – again, this goes back to something I, I kind of alluded to before. I mean, wholesale can be a great way of doing business. Um, it can be a very efficient way and a very, um, a very economical way of doing business, it, it, which is not to say it's easy – um, it's, it's not to say that there isn't risk involved in it. And, yeah. um, I, you know, we were talking before the, uh, before the call a little bit and saying, you know, but, but we are in the risk management business. We're not in the risk avoidance yes. business. If you can have the right control, Great the statement. Right, which begins with the idea, I want to be in wholesale. I'm not going to dabble in it. I'm going to, I really want to be in wholesale. But if you, but if you have the right people and the right systems in place and you can say i can extend the reach of my lending uh of my lending arm by utilizing mm-hmm. the talents of these independent brokers broker owners and their staff who are better suited to deliver my product perhaps in certain areas then then that's where to me that's where it, it has more of an industry-wide uh effect beyond just any individual company yeah, I agree. I'm going to toss the mic over to Joe. Can I keep an eye on the clock here? We have just about seven minutes left in the broadcast, so want to get all of the questions answered as we can. Joe? Joe? Are we missing Joe? Probably has got his mic no, off. No, you're – yeah, the I, was, I, was, I was muted. Sorry about that. So <laughs> um, the Providence Settlement that uh, yeah. was mentioned earlier in the call. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that as it relates to uh, brokers and the and the wholesale lender relationship. And, and uh, I know it was pretty dated uh, activity, but uh, does that throw any concern into uh, an environment where we're trying to grow the, grow the, the wholesale environment? Yeah, Joe, you know, and, I, and I'll allow that. I, I probably uh, I, I haven't taken as much time yet today to, to realize. I was just read, literally just reading about it, uh, I guess, today. Is, uh, and I, I, I haven't taken as much time to, to, to really assimilate it as, as I should. My, my gut reaction with twofold. One is, um, again, it is, it is related to, as I recall, uh, incidents pre-2011. Um, and certainly the you know, a lot a lot has changed just in the ensuing mm-hmm. three or four years. Pre L O rule. Right, um, and so I, 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 I that I, I'm I'm not discounting the importance of it, therefore, but uh, but I think that that has it does have to be taken relative to the the time frame in which it was, um, in which the incidents quote unquote occurred. I thought I'm not sure, uh, David, who who made a comment earlier about saying, is there a is part of the uh, uh, part of the motivation pain simply to say oh, let's just let's just pay this and move on. We don't believe that exists anymore because so much has changed and we can afford to pay it. Let's just let's just let let's yeah. not let that be a distraction for what can come forward. I think there may be part of that. I, um, I, I my other reaction would be this: well, nine million dollars would certainly be a lot of money for me um on the other hand you know it, it, it'd be really easy to say oh look see this this fine is going out that shows you wholesale is still a 
a, um, a, a risky place to be. Well, I can think of an awful lot of retail lenders who have paid significant fines as well. I, I come back to the comment I made before. Yeah. We are in the risk business. Um, if part of that risk is just having a process that ensures we're doing business the right way with the right partners. Um, well, let's get and let's go over to Mr. Process on that note, Andy Shell. Hey, Dave. Well, all right, Greg. So here you go. So. We want to avoid those risks from the past. We want to do it better this time. We want to do it right the first time and every time. So, you know, we as lenders now are going to be working with wholesale to make this happen. So what are some of the keys to success going forward? Yeah, I, you know, one of the things I've said around here a long time is something that served me well for many years is long before know your customer was a catchphrase, um, yeah. We really practiced that religion, uh, but Citigroup, uh, UBS both, I mean, you know, just, it was more important to make sure uh, as a, back then as a wholesaler, we knew exactly who we were going to be, you know, use the phrase, sitting across the table with. Um, did they, were they doing business the right way? Were they sharing uh, our our corporate values, in essence, in, in terms of growing the business? And did we have the appropriate controls in place with respect to Mr. Uh, President Reagan about trust and verify that all those things were, were in fact happening. I think it still starts with that today. I, I, are, you vetting the, are you vetting your uh, clients correctly? Are you vetting your counterparties correctly? It is, I think it's interesting to be an interesting phenomenon, I guess, to see is that as TRID, while, while many of the wholesalers we have talked to are still kind of finalizing how TRID will be implemented from a process standpoint. There's certainly a component of that where just uh, there'll be the need to wrench back some of the control that today may otherwise be in, in, the, uh, in the hands of the originator. Um, that, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether that actually makes uh, folks look at wholesale as, a, as a, a, a safer place to do business or more safe than it was, uh, than it has been. Um, I would tell you, I mean, I think one of the things we're trying to do within the Wholesale One platform is just, our belief anyway is this, it, the, the, the transaction flows best when all the players in it are playing to their core competency. So if you are a lending institution, then develop policies that make the most sense for what you are trying to achieve. Price the loan according to the risk you believe you have in it. Underwrite the loan to the criteria that you um, that will um, support that particular risk reward uh, paradigm. If you are an origination firm, seek out the right counterparties, serve your customer as best you can, select lending partners that you think are going to help you grow your business. Um, if you, you know, we one of our particular providers on the platform happens to be a processing unit. If 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 I'm an origination firm, but I really don't want to be a processing, that's what I really want to do. Then find a processing partner who can support yourself, uh, who can support your broker business operationally, and connect you uh, more efficiently into that uh, into that lender's pipeline. If you're a lender, uh, you know, look at look at processes that will allow the originator to be um, that that broker owner to act independently but but also a focus on the origination component of what they do and 
and deliver product into your pipeline that is of a better quality, a more, a more streamlined delivery so that your folks can act more effectively. And none of that necessarily is easy, but all those solutions are out there. And I think if you put yeah. them, in, uh, put yes. them together in, a, in the right interconnectivity, um, wholesale becomes a really powerful component of the marketplace. Got one time for one quick last question, Alice. Well, thanks uh, for all that, uh, Greg. It was interesting as you were going down that um, uh, down that path. You know, that is uh, something that we see in the market is certainly that the brokers are all have varying different service models that they want. And I, I even have some of my broker customers. One of them said, "I'm just a risk chicken. I don't want to underwrite ever." <laughs> and he, but you know, but you do have many of them that want to move into that what we would call a mini correspondent step. Yeah. You know, that not delegated correspondent level. Is that a good step for a broker who doesn't ever plan to be? full-on a correspondent, you know, especially with the CFPB guidance out there? Yeah, I, you know, I guess the, it, it does come down to the motivation. What was the motivation behind making the move? If it's, if it's got to do with some kind of compensation issue, I think I'm not sure that is the right move. But, but um, to the extent that you, you have aspirations to grow your company uh, into more of a correspondent, uh, to the extent you 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 have the right mindset, that's an interesting, uh, you know, the the player you just mentioned. Uh, I mean, there's somebody who clearly says, "I know who I am. I know what I do best." That's not what I I have no no aspiration to become more than what I am. There's nothing wrong with that. That's somebody who's pretty self-aware. If you're consciously making the decision and you understand the ramifications around the risk and the reward attached to it, I think it I think it can be. Uh, um, yeah. and, and frankly. I would. I my gut has always. I thought of all the things the CFPB has put out, their guidance around the kind of mini correspondent, emerging banker, non-delegated. You know, choose the correct euphemism. Um, yes. I I thought was fairly clear. Um, it was to, good. It was relative to other. It was stuff, relatively right? clear. I look at the clock. Yeah. We're out of time, Greg. It's really been good to have you here. Appreciate you so much joining in with the broadcast. There's a lot to talk about on this topic. Look forward to having you back. I wish you continued success at Wholesale One, folks. We're out of time. Good to have you with us. Appreciate you. Tell others about the broadcast, and see you back here next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Elvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening. 